What's up? This is Ed Gallo, host of the Wrestling for MMA podcast, and it's another episode. I don't have a lot to talk about this week, so I'll stretch what I do have. Um, I really want to direct your attention toward our Patreon for the fight site. For $3, you can get access to pretty much everything we have on there in terms of uh, paywalled content. The piece of content I want you to pay attention to this week is the alternate commentary track for Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. You can see in real time the way that I, Sriram and myself break down the fight and make commentary on you know, what Blades is doing and what Lewis is doing and, and you know, just extra context for what I'm about to talk about today. And uh, yeah, we've done that for the past, you know, however many main events and more recently we've been doing it with video. So if you watch it, you can actually watch the fight and get the commentary track. Obviously, that's not something you can upload to YouTube, so that's why it's on Patreon. We also do an audio version if you want to listen to it like a podcast. But yeah, $3 will get you that and a ton more stuff. And higher tiers will get you access to the Discord or the ability to request custom content, which I think is a really good feature. It's hard on us, for sure, when we have a lot of requests. Um, but we, we try our best to make it through them, and everything gets done eventually. So request content we'll do it and i think you know we're paying extra special attention now so yeah check out the patreon that's our main almost entirely our source of income that's how i pay the staff and just so you know how the business model works of the site i want to be transparent uh it's, it's almost all patreon and i just distribute the patreon money every month between the staff that have worked that month usually sometimes i can't afford to even do that uh, but yeah, I, I give it all to the staff. Uh, I've paid myself once so far since we started, and uh, I don't plan on doing that very much because we just don't have enough to go around right now. So we could really use your support. It would be really helpful. Um, and yeah, these, these guys deserve money. The pay rate in MMA and combat sports writing is so low. And, you know, comparable to other sites, we're doing a good job with regard to how we pay our staff, but we could really use the the extra income so help us out help keep the site alive i don't want these guys to stop and i fear that without the, the money they're less motivated to do more and they'll, they'll leave me eventually and the site will fall apart so let's not have that happen and uh yeah please help us out so that's my ad for today and yeah just seamless transition into into more more talk about wrestling about mma um there was really only one fight that had implications from a wrestling for MMA standpoint from the last UFC card. That was the main event, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. Before we get to that fight, there was a lot of bad wrestling <laughs> on this card otherwise. Um, you know, I think a lot of the time fighters are training wrestling, but I think there's a lot of variance on that. For example, a fighter could do a lot of wrestling specific training they could they attend wrestling practice and wrestle with their camps wrestling coach or with other MMA fighters who can wrestle and that's all fine and dandy but like what exactly are you doing you know what situations are you practicing you know what what type of instruction are you getting are you mixing it into your MMA training are the people who are trying to wrestle you in your MMA training anything like the person that you're going to fight um, I need more information I want to know what that preparation looks like because I don't want to assume that these fighters just don't know what they're doing. Um, I think they probably do mostly know what they're doing. 
I think if you said, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, they would say, I know that, I know that. Um, yeah, just speaking from experience, I've competed a bunch of times, and, you know, I, I usually don't do the things I know how to do. I usually mess up um, and make a bunch of dumb mistakes and, and don't do what I know I can do. I think that comes with reps. I think experience is a huge factor. You'll see a wrestler in a fight, even in, you know when they're gassed out in the fifth round in a terrible situation, they still know the progression. They still know which steps to go through. I was just watching uh, Peter Yan versus Magomed Magomedov, the first fight in ACB. It was like a fight of the year contender. And uh, fifth round, uh, Jan is yeah yeah Jan was messing him up in the clinch a decent amount, and uh, he was pressuring into him. And Magomedov hit an arm spin in round five, and it was like a super grueling fight. So it's still there, um, no matter how tired you are. If you have the reps, if you're a lifelong wrestler, you have it in there. Um, whereas if you're an MMA fighter, especially someone with no wrestling background, you've been training MMA for you know five six years. Yeah, you've been training wrestling for five six years as well. But like I said, how often? What are you practicing? How specific is it? Who's teaching you? What are you learning? You know, how is that being tested? So, it it there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to consider. There's a lot to think about. Um, I don't want to name names, but yeah, basically every fight in the card <laughs> up until the main event, I was very disappointed, um, with what I saw. Um, you know, there are times where I can get it a little more, like Alexia Olenek, for example doesn't necessarily need to get top position um he just wants to grapple uh but even so um you know having better fundamentals on your finishes and you know, not hanging out on your knees holding on the leg with your head down um that we, you can improve on that <laughs> i think with a little more control of the situation at least if you're going to pull guard or pull mount even um you need control of them and just you know hanging out completely with your head down is, is not good not that I don't want to judge Elena too harshly because he's an old man, but he could probably do better than that. And uh, yeah, Andre Arlovsky got taken down with a really bad double and like gave up his neck immediately. It was pretty bad. But you know, Aspinall, young athletic guy, Arlovsky's older, and Alan Q's expecting it. So I think just the element of surprise played in uh, Aspinall's favor there. But I don't know. <laughs> There's just a lot not to be happy about on this card. Derek Minner and, and Charles Rosa grappled and wrestled a lot. Um, it was mostly just Minner beating him up. Uh, I didn't watch the co-main event. I had to go take the dog out, and you know, it was a whole thing. It wasn't because I skipped it on purpose. I had nothing better to do, but you know, I did have one thing to do, and it ended up taking a long time. Um, Jared Gordon, I think, actually was probably the best. <laughs> had the best wrestling performance of the card. It's just a very... Um, he didn't wrestle that much. It was just a very deliberate pressure you know, cage wrestling, grappling performance, and, uh, you know, there wasn't anything special there. He just didn't make any big mistakes. He, uh, he fought a very controlled fight, and it was interesting. I don't think his skill set's very deep, but, you know, that was just a, a nice little performance from him. Uh, Sergei Spivak and Jer Jared Vandera, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what happened, and, uh, it's just not significant enough for me to go back and figure it out, so I'm not going to. There you go. Uh, Casey O'Neill and Shana Dobson, Shana Dobson rather, um, that's one where I think the striking had a lot more to do with the wrestling situations than the wrestling itself. Uh, Shana Dobson was very, uh, I think she had a lot of nervous energy and she was really intent on scaring her off and, and doing a lot of like counter striking uh, to, to get her away, throwing a lot of uppercuts and trying to hit her really hard and, um, you know, snap kick that body, keep her back, but 
she she was really overcommitting to that and putting herself out of position. She was giving up these big angles. Uh, O'Neill was just moving slightly offside, and uh, Dobson was throwing big, and it was it was she was just serving up entries. So you can really mitigate any gaps you have in your wrestling by just controlling the entries really well. Um, like if you get a really clean entry on a shot, maybe your mechanics aren't great, but you do have a, a finish you can get to right from a good position. If you shoot yourself right into that good position, then yeah, you can finish quickly. Um, and defensively, if you don't have very deep, you know, wrestling defense in, in a lot of in a lot of ways, like you're not good at fighting grips, you're not good at uh, cross-facing, you're not good at, you know, scrambling at all, at least, you know, if you stuff them completely on their entry because their entry was bad, um, then you don't have to worry about that as much. And, you know, the, the deeper they are on the shot, the better you're going to have to be at wrestling to defend it. So that was like the opposite of that putting herself in a really bad spot, and I get why. I get why it happened, um, and Dobson's a fighter who's growing a lot. She, you know, started off pretty raw and has, has definitely picked up a ton of skills since I first saw her on The Ultimate Fighter, but that's just a good example of that. Um, yeah, just someone to, to keep an eye on. John Castaneda knocked out Eddie Wineland. Uh, he's a wrestler, and he knocked out Wineland. And Wineland's, you know older and his reflexes and uh, chin are, aren't what they used to be but still interesting still interesting to me that he can like let his hands go like that because I mean Wineland isn't that much different than he was last year or the year before and those guys weren't knocking him out besides Sean O'Malley so it's like you know it's something it's something to look at uh Phil Hawes versus Nasruddin Imavov that is a good example of another person whose ancillary skills really let them down like decent enough clinch fighter decent enough wrestler that you know when Hawes like got tired a little bit, he wasn't in a terrible spot, and he was able to get off the cage and do some decent work on the front foot. But yeah, Ringcraft wasn't really a concern of his. He wasn't really throwing smart strikes that that would make it easier for him to get you know Hawes off of him. Um, he's just kind of swinging big hooks and uh, really, really like Dobson, really committing to try and make the most of the moments where he wasn't being grappled instead of using his striking to not be grappled. Um, when we talk about the anti versus counter distinction. Um, that that's kind of what, what I'm talking about there. And I'm really going to highlight this and talk about this more in my uh, upcoming article about uh, Peter Jan's defensive wrestling. That's probably going to be out next week because I actually have a little bit more time than I thought and the card isn't until... Well, when is the UFC 259 card? That is going to be March 6th. So if I don't do it this week... Yep, that's next weekend. So that's when that card's going to come out, and I'll, I'll dedicate a podcast to talking about that as well, so you guys can get, like, my added context and uh, summary and, and things like that, but that'll be one where I really talk about what is anti, what is counter, um, what does Yon need more of in that case, and I think that's going to be a case more of a counter, but, you know, you'll see, you'll see. I, I, I hesitate to bring it up, because freaking Leon and Jack keep bullying me about anti-wrestling as, like, a word. I need, I didn't invent that shit, you know? It's just, <laughs> it's just a thing people say. Um, I don't know who started it, but this is definitely the distinction, and uh, it's a thing. It's a thing. So I think anti is more important than counter when it comes to wrestling, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll find somebody who does it well, and I can talk about it. Uh, I was going to write an article about people that... that are good anti-wrestlers, but, uh, it's basically just Aldo. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that was it. So, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. Really frustrating fight for me, personally, just because I knew 
exactly what Curtis Blades was going to do on the feet, and I figured it would work. And it was working. It was working pretty well. Uh, we talked about this on the MMA podcast as well. Uh, it's, it's really just the variance of his one-two. That's, that's it. He has this one-two, and he does a lot of different things with it. He feints the jab, you know, he jabs and feints the jab and stutter steps, and he just, you know, like I said, a lot of mix-ups on the rhythm, a lot of mix-ups on the... Not as many mix-ups on the level, actually, and that's something that we saw in previous performances, like Volkov, is a lot of deliberate level changing to come back up and then come back down. Um, but when he comes back up, there's a strike. He's like, all right, counter, throw the counter, and then he could shoot under the counter. Um, that's something that was missing here. Uh, he was doing it a decent amount. Uh, you saw like the times where he actually hit Lewis clean with his right hand. It was after he had really drawn out that exchange with you know a lot of uh, fake entries, a lot of fake you know jabbing, jabbing, coming out, coming back in, coming back out. You know, saying here I am, Derek Lewis, throw at me, and he was doing it. And then when he was out, he could, he could pop back in and, and hit the right hand, kind of like a pull counter. And that was working really well for him. It was working well enough for him that he didn't even need to shoot. <laughs> he was out striking him, so uh, he, he was kicking on, on the exits really well. He was beating him up pretty bad, I think. Uh, not like he was hitting him a ton, but just it was pretty one-sided. Admittedly, as we found out, because Lewis committed his entire game plan to just countering the takedown. So how funny would it have been if Blades didn't shoot at all and just did that exact thing for five rounds and you know, chopped him up and, and picked him apart. Um, he probably could have, but you know why Why would he not shoot? That's, that's what he does. He's, he's a wrestler. So that was working well, but yeah, one, one time <laughs> he faints the level change and then bounces back up and then hits the level change for real, and Lewis matches it. That's important. He doesn't just throw an uppercut. He matches the level change. He comes down with him and then lifts up out of the level change to hit the uppercut. So that's like one, that's a very powerful way to throw an uppercut. Two, you know, you can get your hips lower and actually, you know, match their level and, you know, be able to throw accurately at their head and not just, you know, whiff and get an armpit or something like that. So great read by Derek Lewis. Stupid game plan. Um, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> you know, centering your entire game plan around one thing, but it's heavyweight and it worked. Um, you know, he hits really hard, so he could afford to do that. But, um, you know, what if Blades had knocked him out? You know, you hit him hard enough. What if he had knocked him out? And that would have been a bad game plan. So you can't, you know, in hindsight, yeah, it looks like a smart game plan, but I don't think that was a good idea, but it did work out. Uh, really disappointing because Curtis Blades has this process down. He has all these skills. If he did take him down, I think it was going to be rough for Lewis because uh, I talked about Derek Lewis has this get-up game, uh, mostly just, you know, either shrimping out to create space or bridging and rolling and then standing up from, from turtle. Um, it's not complicated. But, you know, like I said, heavyweights aren't very good at back control. Uh, first of all, just logistically, because of their size, putting in hooks is very difficult, and not many of them have, like, actual riding abilities from turtle or any other you know similar positions so yeah they they don't do anything they just let people get up and they don't really have mat returns they don't really have anything to do from there so Derek lewis gets up i don't think that would have worked against curtis blades one because curtis blades is a high level folk style wrestler and we've seen him you know destroy people from turtle position before he's very big um and he would be able to control him from there I'm sure Lewis has gotten better since he fought Jared Rochalt, but, you know, Jared Rochalt dealt with him very easily. It was the same exact get-up strategies, same exact stuff, 
he dealt with it very easily just with the basic you know rides and breakdowns and switching sides and you know just riding the hips so i think blades would have done that and if lewis did get up he would have given up rear standing and blades is really good at mat returns he has this high like gut mat return um and he's just you know very effective at putting people back down so i think it would have been a long night for lewis had the takedown happened but lewis focused his entire game plan again counter versus anti-wrestling uh counter wrestling trying to just nail him on the level change and wait for that and punish him for it and he did yeah it sucks it sucks honestly because herb dean was on the other side of the cage when it happened and he after got he got knocked out blades got two huge follow-up shots um before herb dean got there herb dean broke it up as soon as he got there but he took a long time to get there and he was way too far away i don't know why he was that far away they weren't moving around very much um you know i think he should have been more careful and you know if you've studied concussions or cte at all the shots you take after you get a concussion are the ones that are the most dangerous those are the ones that really really mess you up um and he took two really heavy shots so that sucks that sucks really bad um i get celebrating a Derek lewis knockout because he is a meme it's funny when he wins it's funny when he wins because a lot of the time he's losing until he wins it's like oh my god this sport this division what a nightmare what a, what a mess but you know i like curtis Blades. we've interviewed him a couple times he was on our panel uh, about racism um you know he, he was getting a big spot for black history month i don't think they had Derek lewis speak about it at all so it was just like i don't know i feel like there are p- people celebrating his demise it just it doesn't sit right with me I think most of the people, it's in good faith. It's just, you know, they're, they're celebrating Derek Lewis because uh, he's funny and they like him. I, I think it's fine to like him, but yeah, just know that I don't, don't talk to me. <laughs> don't talk to me about it. I don't want to hear it. Um, not in the mood. And yeah, just shout out to, to Team Elevation and, and Sean Madden. And I think they put together a really good fighter here. I think Curtis Blades has a lot going for him. I think it was just one mistake, honestly. It wasn't really a big deal. Uh, other fighters that are good make similar mistakes they they make that level of mistake it's just like i hate to be cliche and you know, bring up this narrative but you you can't make as many mistakes at heavyweight or you, you can't get away with the same things if someone's gonna actually hit you like it's not like heavyweights are good enough that they're always gonna punish you for making mistakes in fact they're worse less less often they punish you for making mistakes but when they do it's a bigger deal so kind of just a freak thing uh and i know Derek lewis has done these things a lot so how can you say it was like an accident it wasn't an accident but just seems low percentage to me and uh yeah the one time curtis blades has a more telegraphed entry um is the time that he gets knocked out and i think he did get to a shot once against the cage but uh it wasn't deep and uh you know i I forget what happened but it's not really worth analyzing that much because it's the one soul wrestling exchange of the fight didn't really result in anything and it was just more about you know blades i guess not feeling comfortable getting his shots off but lewis wasn't really biting big on counters which is something he had with volkov and the other thing he had with volkov is the height differential volkov's hips were higher up so it was actually a little easier to get to the shot not as big of a level change was necessary um so it didn't need to be as telegraphed. It could be masked more by the strikes. So I think that has something to do with it as well. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of all I had to talk about. Uh, I was going to 
make this a more topic centric podcast about um like basics like important things just you know because there isn't really anything going on next week next week is the Rosenstrike versus gone fight and the one fight that really interests me on that is the Munoz Rivera rematch uh Munoz has a really nice single leg and really really amazing uh defensive wrestling you know for MMA it's amazing if you ask Ryan Wagner he's like it's not that good but Ryan Wagner has impossible standards for everything and if you ask him about any fighter he's just gonna it's gonna be a different answer every time don't you should listen to him because he's the smartest guy in, in this space and he knows what he's talking about but the way he has discussions is insane and you never know what he actually means or if he's exaggerating or if he's not exaggerating or why he's saying things so it's just he's a very hard person to interpret <laughs> Pedro Munoz has very good defensive wrestling and um I, I would say he has some good anti-wrestling as well and be- being a pressure fighter definitely helps with that but you know Jimmy Rivera is not someone who like shoots but he is a great wrestler as well very very difficult to take down very very difficult to scramble with uh you've seen that time and time again uh I mean Sterling did beat him but Sterling couldn't take him down uh I think Munoz might have gotten him down briefly uh psh, I don't know Jan had had some good scrambles with him um, but yeah, Rivera's tough. Rivera's really tough. And yeah, I'm not really sure where either of them are at at this point. I don't really think they're slipping much. I think they're basically the guys that they are. So it should be a good fight. And uh, the winner is in a good position because this division's kind of... Uh, it's not moving much right now. The top like five or six is kind of stale. And no one has like a ton of momentum uh, to be a title contender. So I think you could get yourself in a title fight like with one more win after this for either guy so that's pretty cool um so that's cool for them uh otherwise i don't really expect wrestling in the main event <laughs> i uh nikita krilov versus magomed Ankalaev. i feel if there is wrestling it's from i don't know i don't know because Krylov's not like a good wrestler, but he's improved a lot in that respect, and he did wrestle Johnny Walker. Ankalaev is not te- <clears throat> technically a wrestler, but he he does have that skill set. And you know, Krylov's best part of his game is striking, so maybe he'll take him down. But I don't expect good wrestling out of that fight. How about that? Um, Montana De La Rosa is a grappler, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm still waiting for like another good women's MMA wrestler. Uh, Tatiana Suarez was pretty uh, encouraging, but she hasn't been fighting much because of injuries, I believe. Um, Yeah, this card's pretty thin, to be honest with you. But luckily, UFC 259's after that, and that's going to be awesome. And there's going to be a lot of fights to talk about there. And uh, I will talk about them. And maybe I'll write about them. Maybe not. But yeah, short podcast. Short podcast. I I don't see the need to drag it on and make it a whole thing otherwise so yeah check out the patreon commentary check out some of the other stuff i've done on patreon i'll try to record another commentary for a dual meet uh, a college wrestling dual meet soon i just got to pick one and find the time um but yeah since i'm taking like two weeks to do to, to do the on article maybe i'll have some time to do that this week so if you hear this and you have suggestions for uh a wrestling dual meet that's on youtube or something like that that i could do commentary for then uh, let me know I'll try to do something Penn State. I think people care about Penn State, so I'll think of some of the better Penn State dual meets in history that are available. So, yeah, that's it for now. 
oh, maybe I'll do one that has uh, an MMA fighter in it, or a couple MMA fighters in it. Wouldn't that be interesting? Okay, that's it for now. I will be back next week to talk about a lot of UFC 259 fights and mostly Jan Sterling. And if any wrestling happens on this next card, I'll talk about that, but I highly doubt it. All right, goodbye.